0: History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be.
1: Do you love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well, look no further and join me, Katie Charlwood, your friend the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books as I delve into unsolved historical mysteries, murders by gaslight, and of
0: course, women who have been misrepresented through all time. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class, listen wherever you get your podcasts.
1: What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Episode 295.
2: The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries of curiosities of oddities join cat and jethro gilligan toth for the strange the bizarre the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities
3: so happy uh, happy belated christmas your your Christmas gift finally arrived.
1: Yeah, thank you.
3: We're we're recording this. What is the day today? It
1: is the 14th.
3: 14th of January 2021. And your your Christmas present uh just arrived. Yeah. Um I hope you like it. <laughs> it's uh one of those pirated NES systems. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize it was a pirated NES system. When I ordered it.
1: Yeah, well, it, after um, it hadn't arrived by Christmas, you mm. showed me what you what you got for me, and I could tell right away this yeah. was a terrible idea. Yeah,
3: well, yeah. it came from uh, Shanghai, mm-hmm. and uh, let me just, I, I've been following the tracking yeah. online, and it started in China, and then it went to Germany mm-hmm. and stayed there for about, I don't know, 10 days. And then it went to Chicago, and then it went to uh, Pennsylvania, and then New Jersey, and then back to uh, Chicago, and then back to China, and then back to Chicago, and then to uh, somewhere in uh, New Jersey, and then to Portland, Maine, and then Bangor, Maine, and then finally um, it arrived at our house. Mm -hmm. Quite a journey. By the way, I paid for uh, expedited shipping,
1: which I've told you repeatedly not to do. But um, it, this game system has traveled more than we have. This that's year. true. Yeah. Yeah. It had had a beautiful journey. <laughs> I think that's part of what this gift was all about. It was like let's let's live vicariously through this through
3: a this. pirated NES system. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
3: yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess it's not just pirated N- NES. It's also pirated Genesis mm. system. Yeah. It's one of those things that you know, like you, you buy. It's got like six thousand games on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it it comes on a little uh, micro HD disc, and you plug it in, and it says right on the title, "pirate." Yeah, that's the only word in English. Yeah, is pirate. Yeah, so. Merry Christmas. Mm. Hopefully I can make up uh, for that crushing disappointment with uh, with a story for you. Oh, here.
1: please do. In
3: fact, I have several stories.
1: I love stories. For you.
3: You know how we've talked about the strange and sometimes uh, macabre origin of nursery rhymes, yeah. like Ring Around the Rosie came from the Black Plague. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mary Mary Quite Contrary was about beheading people. Um, we're going to look at some of the original Grimms fairy tales that uh, really weren't fairy tales as much as they are just horror stories. Yeah. Not just Grimm's, mostly Grimm's, but, but just some old fairy tales that they used to tell children back when uh, we didn't care about them.
1: Super excited.
3: Oh, trigger warning, there's, there's a, a couple of stories in here about dead kids. Okay. Have you ever heard of the, uh, the tale of the flayed old woman? Flayed? Flayed. No. Yeah, that's the name of the of the nursery rhyme.
1: Oh, so it sets you up, you know what to expect.
3: Or the fairy tale, yes, the flayed old woman. Two old women, they were sisters and they were ugly and they lived alone together near the king's castle.
1: Now, were they ugly in nature or were they ugly in appearance?
3: In appearance. Okay. Um, one day the king was out for a walk and uh, he hears this beautiful singing coming from their cottage. Now, it's, a, it's at night, and he hears the beautiful singing, and he thinks that because the voice is so beautiful that, well, the, the person must be beautiful, too. And so he, he falls in love with the voice.
1: Oh, kind of like an aerial kind of situation. Kind of like that, yeah, yes. All right.
3: So the old women, they see an opportunity here. Right? right? Okay, yeah. He thinks we're young and beautiful. If we can trick him into marrying one of us, mm-hmm. then we'll get all the riches and we'll become queen. And, and so what they did so was- So they
1: were, they were also ugly in nature.
3: In nature as well. And so what they did was they pulled their skin on their face back. So it was like stretched back. Mm-hmm. And It's very
1: popular these days too. It is.
3: But this was before it cost $9,000. Okay. And it was dark. So they tricked the king into believing that they were young and because that's all it takes. they stretched their skin back. Sure. And unfortunately, the sun came up and the king realized that they were um, scamming him. So he takes one of the sisters and he throws her off the tower of the castle.
1: Reasonable, totally reasonable reaction to, oh, you're not who I thought you were. You're less attractive than I thought you Mm -hmm. were, so I'm going to murder you.
3: Yes. Okay. Fortunately, she landed in some trees and did not die. Mm. But she was hanging there from these trees, and she was crying and begging for help. And the forest fairies heard her Uh and they rescued her and they felt so bad for her that they they granted her a wish.
1: Did they make her beautiful?
3: She wished to be young and beautiful. Okay. So she became young and beautiful and the king fell in love with her and married her. She became the queen. Now her sister's still ugly and old Mm -hmm. and she's pissed.
1: Is she still at the castle?
3: No, no. She's been cast aside. So she comes to her now young, beautiful sister. Right. The D.B. Cooper sister. Right. And says, hey, I want some of this. Yeah. How did you do this? And she kept pestering her sister. How did you become so young and beautiful? And finally, her sister got fed up with her and just said, "Um, I flayed myself.
1: Oh, that's rude. So
3: the old sister believes this lie. And so she goes to a barber and asks the barber to flay her. Mm-hmm. And the barber says, nah, you know, that's really not uh, part of the job description. Right. I can take a little off your bangs, uh, but but I can't flay you. Wait, and-
1: can you real quick where whereabouts in the world was this taking place? Do you remember in, in Italy. In Italy, yeah. so I think they would have called it fringe. Good Please point. Please continue. <laughs> it's so important that I point that out.
3: So yeah. she she keeps pestering the barber until he consents, and Says he's, he's probably
1: annoyed. Yeah, he's
3: annoyed. So he flays her, and the old woman's lying on the barber shop floor, and she's bleeding out. <laughs> she's skinless, and uh,
1: fairies come along
3: as she, no as she's dying. She's suffering. And she says to herself, you must suffer for beauty. And then she dies. The end.
1: Huh. Oh. Oh.
3: That's a good lesson, really, is that you need to suffer for beauty.
1: That's, yeah. (laughs) You know... This has given me some great ideas for children's bedroom decor. Really? Yeah.
3: Oh, wow. Well, I've got some things that'll really advance your, your concept here. I'm going
1: to make an Etsy shop, mm-hmm. and it is going to be wild.
3: <laughs> this fairy tale comes from uh, Russia. It has the quaint title, The Dead Mother.
1: Okay. Yeah. Okay.
3: So a husband and wife, they're living together. They're very happy, and they're awaiting the birth of their baby. When the baby is born... They are so happy. And the mother is so happy. Mm-hmm. Everybody's, everybody's weeping with joy. And then the mother becomes, she's so happy she dies.
1: That's, uh, is yeah. that a thing?
3: Yeah. Well, in this story, it is. Okay. You don't want to be too happy. You could die.
1: Sure. Maybe it's a Russian thing that I don't know Maybe. about.
3: I, I don't know. But now everybody's weeping because they're sad and they mourn.
1: Did <clears throat> I'm sorry, did they did they simultaneously, like, did they, okay, did they seamlessly transition from crying from happiness to crying from sadness? I or think, was there a pause in between?
3: I, I think there was a dramatic uh, cinematic dissolve. <gasps> oh, okay. A dissolve from yeah. one scene to the next.
1: Do you think that tears of happiness and tears of sadness taste different?
3: The sad tears of an enemy have to taste better than the happy tears of a friend. I would think.
1: I mean, that's, that's a lesson all on its own.
3: Yeah, that is a lesson. So anyway, the man, he can't, you know, he's a man, so he can't take care of a baby. So he hires an old woman to look after the baby. But the baby's colicky or something. She, The baby cries all the time, up all night, crying, crying, until the old lady leaves. And then the baby goes right to sleep. No issues at all. Okay. And so this becomes suspicious, and they're wondering what's going on.
2: Mm.
3: Uh, So they decide to go into the room, not just the husband and the old old woman, but the townsfolk. They go into the room in the middle of the night while the baby is silently sleeping. And what they discover is the dead mother's corpse in the room, dressed in her bloodied burial clothes, breastfeeding the baby. Okay. And then the dead mother looks at them, and she kind of sighs. And sadly, puts the baby back in the bed and leaves. And then the the group goes over and checks the baby, and the baby's dead. The end.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: what? Yeah, these are stories that people told their kids.
1: Um, I real quick, I'm gonna it's install one of those moments where we retroactively edit in a trigger warning, uh, because if we're gonna talk about dead babies, probably there should be a trigger warning. Okay. Okay. <clears throat>
3: Oh, oh! trigger warning. There's, there's a, a couple of stories in here about dead kids. Okay. Okay.
1: Did you edit in that part where I told you to put in the trigger warning? Yeah. Okay, good. Please continue.
3: This is linear humor for those of you who are just joining us. Uh, here's a story. This one sounds lovely. Uh, it's a grim fairy tale. It's called, quote, how some children played at slaughtering. <laughs> yeah. So two boys are playing. And uh, they decide that they're going to play butcher, uh-huh. you know, which most kids, I think, at one time or another have have played butcher. Of course. But uh, so one of them is the butcher and the other one's a pig. Right. And he's chasing the kid around the yard with a knife.
1: The the pig is chasing the butcher around the yard no,
3: with a knife? No, no, no. The butcher's chasing the pig. And it became too serious. And so the kid playing the butcher tackles pig boy and slit his throat, killing him.
1: okay. So it's kind of a Lord of the Flies situation. Kind of. Too bad yeah. for Pig Boy.
3: So the mother of the two kids sees this going on, sees the killing, and, and she's bathing her youngest child. Uh, she rushes down in a fit of rage, and she kills the older boy who was the butcher boy. Okay. Kills him. Okay. Then she goes upstairs to discover that her other kid is drowned in the tub.
1: Because she left him unattended. Yes. Which we always are told never, never do. Never do that. Never even, do that.
3: Even if somebody's slaughtering your kid. Even if yard. you have a child to murder. Right. <clears throat> the distraught mother, she was so upset that she, she hanged herself. And then when her husband came home to find everybody dead, he died from grief. Huh? The end.
1: No! <laughs> how can i what 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 what
3: that's it (laughs) good night timmy (laughs) (laughs) Grimm's fairy tales the three snake leaves a son of a poor man leaves home to find his fame and fortune he becomes a soldier and in the army while in the army fighting under the king he rises in prestige during conflict. He becomes a war hero, and the king sees him and notices him and says, You know, you're just right for my daughter, except, yeah, there's one thing. My daughter won't marry a person unless they love her so much that if she dies before you do, you agree to be walled up in her tomb alive. That's the only way she'll marry you.
1: Mm-hmm. This, I'm just going to say, like, right up front, this is a terrible relationship, and it's red flags should be going up all over the place.
3: Surprisingly, the war hero agrees to this somewhat unconventional prenup, mm-hmm. um, and they're married. And then, of course, the bride gets sick and dies. As promised, the young man walls himself up in a tomb alongside his beloved, with only some bread, some candles, some wine, and of course, you know, a rotting corpse. Suddenly, a snake slithers through the tomb, and the man, he kills the snake. He hacks it to pieces. I guess there's nothing else to do. Uh, And then another snake comes out. This snake has magical leaves And uses these magical leaves to heal the animal and bring the animal back to life. So he goes, aha. Mm. So he takes the leaves and he brings his wife back to life.
1: Pet cemetery kind of situation. Yes. Yeah.
3: Then the wife decides once she's been brought back to life that she doesn't love him anymore. In fact, uh, she had fallen in love with a skipper on a voyaging ship.
1: While she was dead?
3: No, prior to that, but nobody knew it.
1: Okay. But they're still walled up.
3: Yeah, but then they get out, and and she and the skipper uh, throw the husband in the ocean, killing him. Luckily, though, he still has some of those leaves with him, and he comes back to life. Now he's pissed. He's angry. Sure. He hunts down his murderous wife. He tells the old king what had happened, disgusted by his treacherous daughter. The king places her and her lover in a ship full of holes and sinks it and kills them.
1: The end. Okay, so the the lesson, the the very clear moral of this story. I mean, because all these stories are obviously moral tales,
3: right? Um, yes. The, is,
1: don't uh, don't <laughs> don't make your husband kill himself if you do No, don't marry a woman <laughs> who mm, don't. If a woman leaves her husband who resurrected you, no. That's a tough one. Snakes are the only winners in this. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Okay. Snakes are the only winners.
1: Snakes are the only trustworthy. Yeah. Okay.
3: Then there's the Grimm's fairy tale, Hans, my hedgehog. Oh, so, this sounds nice. So, well, you would think so. Um, so the uh, there, there's this peasant couple and they have a son, but the son is born and the top half of him is a hedgehog. They name him Hans, my hedgehog, Uh and they make him live behind their stove, and they don't feed him, and they try to make him die. They don't want to kill him, but they don't want to help him live, so they put him behind the stove and they don't feed him, but he refuses to die. So one day, Hans's father's getting fed up with this hedgehog boy behind his (laughs) stove, so he said, hey, Hans, my hedgehog, would you like a gift? And Hans the Hedgehog says, yes, I want some bagpipes and a large rooster to ride on. (laughs) And so his parents give him some bagpipes and a rooster. Well,
1: they wouldn't even give him food. Why are they...
3: They want him to leave. This was in exchange for him leaving. Okay, so the gift
1: is if he takes off. Yes,
3: I would assume that was what the motivation was. So one day, the king rides by and hears Hans playing bagpipe music beautifully. And he asks... If he knows how to get back to the palace because the king is lost. And and Hans says, yes, I will take you there. Follow me on my rooster while I'm playing my bagpipes. But here's the condition. I get to have the first thing I see upon arrival. So upon the arrival, the king's beautiful daughter runs out Mm -hmm. of the castle. And Hans the hedgehog boy says, yeah, well, that's mine now. And the king says, no, you can't have my daughter. I don't want a uh, hedgehog uh, son-in-law. And so he orders his guards to attack Hans, but they didn't kill him. And he demands to be paid what he's owed.
1: Couldn't he just, like, get a, like another set of bagpipes or something? Couldn't he find something else that he liked?
3: Maybe. Uh, I don't know.
1: I mean, how would that even work? Would they... I
3: I mean... That was my question. Anatomically, how could that possibly work? I guess from the waist down, he was a person.
1: Right, but he's still got all those spikes and stuff. Yeah,
3: and this is how the uh, story ends. The king gives in. So uh, Hans gets his princess bride, and they're leaving. And pretty soon he stops, and he rips off her clothes, and he sticks her all over with his spines until she becomes a bloody mess. And he tells her... That was for her deceit and that she must return to her father.
1: What deceit? She didn't do anything. Well, he's a
3: hedgehog boy. Nothing makes sense here. He's a hedgehog boy who rides on a rooster and plays bagpipes.
1: These all sound like qualities of someone that I would enjoy, Mm, not (laughs) of someone who's going to spike a girl to death.
3: Yeah. So his idea is this. um, You need to go home and your father needs to gaze upon your ugliness for the rest of his life. Rude. Rude. The same thing happens at a second kingdom, but this time...
1: <laughs> no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. The
3: girl agrees to be with Hans. The hedgehog boy tears off his hedgehog skin and has it burned, and he's transformed into a handsome prince, and then he takes his beautiful bride back to his parents' house and rubs their noses in it. The end.
1: What? Mm-hmm. So he wasn't, he could have been not a hedgehog all along, or was there some sort of magic in finding a lady who agreed to marry him?
3: That's how I read it, yeah.
1: Okay, okay. Um, Again, terrible lessons. Mm. Terrible lessons. This is going to be great for my Etsy shop, though.
3: And one more from the Brothers Grimm, entitled The Death of the Little Hen. So the little hen and a rooster, they're out in the yard and they're hunting and pecking for food and they find a nut. Well, the hen does. She finds the nut and rather than sharing, she tries to eat it herself because she's a greedy hen and she chokes and she's, she begs the rooster, I need some water. I'm choking on a barnyard nut. And so he runs to the well, but the well says, no, you can't have any water unless you give me some silk. So the rooster goes to a lady Mm -hmm. to get some silk, but she says, no, you can't have silk until you give me a wreath. And so he, after all, uh, like forever, he fetches all the items, he delivers them, he gets the water, he runs back, the hen is choked to death. Mm -hmm. Grief stricken. The rooster (laughs) hires some mice to build a cart. And, And he puts the hen's body Uh, In the cart, looking for a suitable place to bury her. On the way, animals start asking him for a ride on his cart. Sure. A fox, a wolf, a bear, an elk, and a lion all ride on this cart with his dead hen wife in it.
1: Whereabouts is this taking place where all those animals are living in the same wilderness?
3: Unconfirmed. Maybe it it happened at a zoo. We don't know. Okay. Anyway, they're all riding along until they get to a brook when they try to cross the brook, the cart capsizes and all the animals drown. The bedraggled rooster drags the hen's body to the bank, digs a grave, buries her, and then dies from grief on her grave. And I shit you not, the story ends with this line, quote, and then everyone was dead. (laughs) The end.
1: You know, there is a good lesson in there, and I know it's hard to find, but... Because he needed to get the water from the well Mm -hmm. and the well wanted the silk and the silk offerer wanted the wreath and he had to get a wreath from someone else to get the silk from the... That is a lesson in how sometimes in commerce, you may not have exactly what someone wants from you, but you might know someone who has something that they want. And so you can... There's sometimes three-way deals... Are the best for everyone.
3: I think what we've learned from this is that if the rooster had better bartering skills, Mm. his wife would still be alive today.
1: Well, I don't think hens are supposed to eat nuts. And water doesn't stop you from choking.
3: And then everyone was dead. (laughs) (laughs) The end.
1: Beautiful. That was that was really fascinating, sweetheart, and oh. upsetting on so many levels.
3: Oh, there are so, so many more. There's one about a couple sausages. One of them tries to kill the other one and eat him.
2: And now, that thing in the middle.
3: All right, here's one for you. George Lalonde was a magician, and he's the guy that performed the very first ever Saw a Person in Half magic trick in 1936 in Quebec. Now, since the trick had never been done before, the audience genuinely believed that Lalonde was about to chop his assistant in two. An audience member named Henry Howard ran on stage and stabbed the magician in the back to rescue the assistant. Lalonde suffered a collapsed lung, but later recovered
2: and jethro the podcast team that practices social kiss get it this is the box of oddities
3: i've got to tell you the longer we've had our aura frame the more i love it i have kids
1: I don't know, like a quarter or something.
3: Millions of parents and kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together.
1: Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight
0: for free.
3: Greenlight.com slash oddities.
0: Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Support for The Box of Oddities is provided in part by listeners like you on Patreon. You can support us too. Go to patreon.com slash box of oddities. Thank you. The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth.
3: Maybe before we go any further, we should announce uh, Haggis' DNA testing results because uh, we, we sent his uh, DNA to Embark to find out what the hell he is. Um, <laughs> and the results just came in during the thing in the middle. Do you want to announce his? I'm so
2: excited.
3: <laughs> should I do it? No. Okay. Shut up. All right.
1: Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Okay.
3: Cause we adopted him from a shelter and we have no, we had no idea what he, we had some suspicions, yeah. but um, the, uh,
1: when we were, when we first found him on the site, it said he was like kind of question mark <laughs> shih tzu pug mix. <clears throat> and, uh, we didn't really vibe with that, but we were like, okay, shih tzu uh, we get. Okay. But, um, so we sent the, uh, DNA off to be tested and apparently I messed it up the first time. So they sent me another kit so I could send it off again. And it took forever because apparently a lot of people did it for the holidays. <laughs> so we finally got the results back. on am
3: Do you want me to read it? <laughs> All right. He is sixty-seven um, point four percent Shitzu, thirty-two point six percent Pekinese. Congratulations! It's a Shitzanese. <laughs> Our little baby is a Shitzanese or a Pekitsu. Pika-, P- Sh- Pika shit.
1: Pikazoo. Pikazoo. Oh, Pikazoo is kind of cute. Okay. Um.
3: So anyway, we had to uh, share that with you before we uh, we proceeded. Um, okay. So Evan sent us an email, dear f- <laughs> dearest freak overlords. <laughs> Jethro's whimsical fumblings over the word micro. <laughs> I can never say the word microscopy. <laughs> I always want to say microscopy. Microscopy. <laughs> Has brought a delectable memory from the depths, so thanks. I am a professional microscopist.
2: <laughs>
3: I hope I'm saying that right. That's uh, somebody who designs, troubleshoots, and builds microscopes. As such, I write that down when I go to the doctor. I was getting blood drawn a few years ago, and the nurse comes in to me and says, um, <clears throat> super awkward, but uh, I don't think I can write this on your patient database. Says here you're a micropenis. We had a big old laugh. We decided to write down molecular biologist instead. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. Annie Hoosel, greetings from Heidelberg, Germany. Been listening since I was a wee one in the neighboring fringe wilds of Vermont. So here's a guy who designs and builds microscopes in Germany, and he listens to this podcast.
1: That's amazing. I can't wait to go back to Germany. I spent a little bit of time in a little town called Lampertheim. Many years ago, and it was the most magical experience, and I gained so much weight, and well, it's I because just you can't didn't, you wait didn't, to go back.
3: You didn't poop the whole time you were there. Well,
1: I didn't, but I also, I mean, I ate a ton of baked goods.
3: <laughs> Those. That's a dangerous combination.
1: Yeah, no, I should have died. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Cat walls defying death against all odds. <laughs> what you got for me, girl?
1: Today, we're going to talk about... <laughs> I'm so excited. Okay, now focus serious today we're going to talk about the bloody benders now i'm going to start off by saying that this is another one of those stories where there is so much conflicting information almost every source that i found had a slightly different story and even some of the like pretty standard big key issues of the stories were different so um, i'm just going to throw that out there First and foremost, that uh, there's a lot of contradictions. The stories were passed down, you know, orally Mm -hmm. and uh, presented as fact, even though maybe it was more like town lore, that kind of thing. Anyway, so that's just, that's my
3: disclaimer. That's
1: my disclaimer.
3: The Bloody Benders? Sounds like a medical affliction. (laughs) Oh, I never should have eaten that lost taco. I got the Bloody Benders.
1: We think it was bad clams.
3: We don't know, Claire.
1: All right, so Kansas joined the Union in 1861, and in its early years, homesteaders, many of them immigrants, were making their way into the state looking for their own beautiful piece of Midwest heaven. So, five families of spiritualists homesteaded in and around the township of Osage in northwestern Labette County near what would become Cherryvale, Kansas. Now, spiritualism. Uh, in case you're not familiar, is an informal religious movement based on the belief that spirits of the dead exist and have the ability to communicate with the living. Um, It's spiritualists see the other side, not as a static place, but as one where spirits continue to evolve and that spirits are capable of providing useful information to those who are still living. And this
3: really gained popularity in the 19th century.
1: Yes, during the Victorian period. Mostly in Europe, but also on the East Coast. Uh, Upper class types tended to find joy in in this fun little pastime. Seances and
3: card readings and that sort of thing.
1: It wasn't so much in the heartland, though, at this point. Uh, According to Mental Floss, uh, the religion was foreign to the homesteaders who were already in this area of Kansas. But they were all pretty chill and no one asked too many questions. One of the families that moved in were the Benders, John Bender Sr. and John Bender Jr., who sometimes is referred to as Thomas. Um, (laughs) Anyway, they registered 160 acres of land uh, located just off the Great Osage Trail, which at that point was really the only open road for traveling further west. At that time, you know, there weren't a lot of passages to the West, they prepared their land for the rest of the family to arrive. They built a cabin with a well and a barn. And by the fall of 1871, Elvira Bender and daughter Kate arrived.
3: Elvira Bender. Mm,
1: beautiful, isn't it? I
3: love this name. I
1: think it's a great name for a band.
3: Elvira Bender. Right? Yes. Yeah. Saturday night at the Coliseum, Lion to the Dying, with special guest Elvira Bender.
1: So the Benders were widely believed to be German immigrants, although some refer to Ma Bender as Dutch. So Kate and young Thomas. Dutch
3: Bender, that sounds like a sex act.
1: (laughs) Oh, dude, you wouldn't even believe it. We got into a Dutch Bender last night. Oh, I am walking stiff to do. <laughs> anyway, um Kate and young Thomas spoke English much better than quote ma and pa Bender. <laughs> so they had this one room building that they'd built, and they had a canvas curtain, which, uh, according to some sources, was originally the top to their wagon, you know, that that canvas top oh, sure. there. Yeah. Uh, they used that to separate the building into two rooms. The front was a public space. They used that for a store, like a small general store, since they were right on that uh, Great Osage trail. And they also had a table out front so they could provide meals for the travelers that stopped in. And then their family quarters were in the back. So since they'd set up on that open road for traveling further west, it was a great place to stop, resupply their wagons, as I said, get a hot meal, whatever. And Elvira and Kate planted a two-acre vegetable garden, an apple orchard north of the cabin. So people could also get some fresh foods, which they weren't always able to have on those long uh, wagon journeys. Which, as we know, uh, ends with you getting dysentery and- Yeah, um, being
3: buried along the side of the road. That's right. In a shallow, unmarked grave.
1: Right. It's been a long time since I've played Oregon Trail. Maybe that's on my new game system. (laughs) Kate was also a self-proclaimed healer and psychic, and she distributed flyers advertising her supernatural powers and her ability to cure illnesses. So this was also a a draw for customers. There is some confusion about the relationship of young John and Kate. Some say that they were brother and sister, and some said that they were, in fact, husband and wife, pretending to be brother and sister. Hmm. And some say that they were both. Okay. Yeah.
3: Those were different times.
1: Well, I mean.
3: Cat and Jethro, Box of Oddities. That is really mysterious. <laughs>
1: Sorry, I, I just
3: had to get one of them
1: in. Sure, yeah, absolutely. So as you've probably guessed, this is not just a story of a young family making a life for themselves out on the prairie. In March 1873, after a well-known physician from Kansas named Dr. William York uh, seemed to have disappeared while getting off the train in Cherryvale, in investigating his disappearance, it was said that he had mentioned to a friend that he was going to visit the Benders, who ran a one-room grocery and in off the trail. Now, Dr. William York had two very powerful brothers who were uh, going to figure out what happened to him, Uh, Colonel Edward York and Kansas Senator Alexander York. So when questioned, the Benders all denied knowledge of York's disappearance. Uh, But when they pressed, Ma Bender Flew into a, quote, violent passion, in the words of the weekly Kansas chief. <laughs> we don't
3: use the phrase
1: violent passion enough. Mm, I, I would agree with that.
3: These days.
1: Yeah. I don't think I've ever been on a violent passion. Mm. Well, no, no, maybe once or twice.
3: Was it the same time that you were involved in that Dutch bender? <laughs>
1: uh, <clears throat> Those asking the questions also mentioned a report of a woman who had been threatened with pistols at the inn. And again, Ma defended herself by claiming that that visitor had been a witch and she was a bad and wicked woman whom she would kill if she ever came near them again. Wow. Generally, when being questioned about murder, you shouldn't also mention someone else that you might murder. (laughs) Yeah,
3: it doesn't throw them off your your scent,
1: especially if your scent is heavy with violent benders. Right, wait, viol- wait. Dutch bender, Dutch benders. If you're, especially if you're. Oh, shit. All right. So according to <laughs> Medium.com, York's men went around and uh, unfortunately wanted to know what had gone on so much that they were willing to like terrorize the town folk, basically. They were assaulting those uh, who were spiritualists or who the town kind of looked at sideways. You know, anyone who seemed like an outsider, really. And they were torturing people to try to get information. Well, there was this town hall meeting, essentially, that was held at the Harmony Grove Schoolhouse. And the benders were in attendance. And the townsfolk decided that they were going to go about solving this mystery by searching every homestead for evidence. That way, the uh, Yorks people would stop assaulting people, and they would also get any information that was available.
3: Seems reasonable.
1: Unfortunately, the weather turned pretty bad uh, right after that meeting, and it was a couple of days before the search could begin. They started investigating these buildings, and eventually they got to the inn, and they discovered that there were some hungry animals there, but otherwise it was empty. So the benders had fled. But the investigators found that there was an unusual odor coming from the floorboards.
3: This is never a
2: good thing, Mm. never.
1: The scent, uh, unpleasant as it was, led them to a trap door. And when they opened the trap door, they discovered that the ground underneath was drenched in blood. So what they did was they lifted up the whole cabin and moved it to the side so that they could dig and see if they could find bodies. Yet they found nothing, it was just blood-soaked ground. So then the investigators turned to the garden that Ma and Kate tended to. According to Mental Floss, it was freshly plowed. And neighbors recalled that the garden always seemed freshly plowed. So they began to probe around the ground with a metal rod. And the vegetable garden and orchard is where they discovered the body of Dr. York, buried face down with his feet barely below the surface. The probing continued, and they found another nine grave sites. Ooh, nine. By that time, it was night, and they retired for the night and resumed digging the following morning, when they found another eight bodies.
3: Were people suspicious that their garden always seemed to be the the best, most well-groomed, um, fruitful garden?
1: No, they just thought, you know, they're just good gardeners. Got, you know, they've yeah. got that in, so they've got to make sure that they've got...
3: Sure. Boy, old Dutch Bender there had a real green thumb, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. well Well, um, there were, in, in some of the information that I found, uh, Ma Bender was known to be uh, a she-devil. Oh, uh, okay. But, uh, you know, she was foreign, and sometimes people are weird, so, you know...
3: Ah, go murder another traveler. I got to get my tomatoes in.
1: So uh, all of the victims had had their heads bashed in no. except for one and then their throats were cut. It was reported in newspapers that they'd all been indecently mutilated.
3: What's the alternative?
1: Decently mutilated? How do you
3: decently mutilate someone?
1: Oh, well, I think as long as you're like pleasant while you're doing Use it.
3: Use the right knife and fork.
1: Sure. Yeah. No, not that salad fork. No. No.
3: That's not for decent mutilating. <laughs> That's for dessert.
1: So it's believed that the guests were brought into the inn. They were urged to sit up against the separating curtain while they were dining. And then from behind the curtain, someone would come up and smash them in the head with a hammer. And then their body would be dropped down the trap door. One of the benders would slit the victim's throat before stripping them of their valuables and then under cover of night, burying them in the garden. Wouldn't it have just
3: been easier and cleaner to... Just rob them?
1: Well, you can't just keep robbing people who show up at your house. They'll tell people.
3: I suppose. But there, there must be a cleaner, more sanitary way.
1: You mean like a better way of dealing with the, the blood and and corpse? Or you just mean like the not murdering part? The
3: not murdering part. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 Like maybe wait till they leave and get down the road a ways and then uh, rob them with a, with a hood on. Or something.
1: Yeah, or like sneaky rob them so they don't realize they've been robbed until after they've gone. Because if you're in Kansas and you're on your way to, like, let's say Colorado, and you get to Colorado and you're like, where the hell's my pocket watch? You're not going to go back to Kansas. No, no. You know, that's just done. You just don't have a pocket watch anymore. Say La Vie. Anyway, the crimes created a sensation in newspapers, drawing journalists and uh, curiosity seekers from all over the country. They are often referred to as America's first serial killers. According to Mental Floss, Senator York offered a $1,000 reward for the Benders, and the governor chipped in another $2,000. Yeah, and for the time, that's huge money. But the reward was never claimed in the years following. Several people reported that they saw Ma or Kate Bender, but no one was ever positively identified. There were groups out looking for the benders, but they never brought back proof that they found them. The younger benders were supposedly seen heading out to an outlaw colony on the border of Texas, but no one knows what became of the benders ultimately. Investigators were likely hampered by the group's deceit. Uh, according to this source, none of the Benders were actually named Bender. They mm-hmm. entered the town with this idea that they were going to be taking on this persona and uh, then left the town never to be the Benders again. And that is the story of the Bloody Benders. There is no resolution. A good day.
3: And then everybody was dead. Yeah.
1: <laughs> the air pretty much wow yep
3: the bloody benders that that i have to say that's a cool name though
1: <laughs> yeah you know, no for sure it
3: really is it sounds like like the makings of a of a a quality B horror film. I, I wish there was some resolution but I'm I'm used to it by now doing this podcast with you for 3 years <laughs> that we just can't always get the, the the resolution that we need.
1: Yeah, it's like that whole unsolved mysteries conundrum. You yeah. watch unsolved mysteries and at every episode are disappointed that there's there's no
3: there's even, no solving. Even though it says unsolved right in right,
1: the title. It says it right in the title. Right in the title. Yeah.
3: Well, let's wrap this up because I want to go play a pirated version of Super Mario 2.
1: I'm going to go snuggle on my Shih Tzu Pekingese. <laughs>
3: <laughs> we love you guys. Thanks for hanging out with us. We'll see you next time. Until
1: then, keep flying that freak flag.
2: Fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the box of oddities belongs to you and its fate is in your hands. Henceforth, The Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories, stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. The TheBoxOfOddities.com. On Facebook at Facebook.com slash BoxOfOdditiesPodcast. On Twitter at BoxOfOddities. And Instagram at Box of Oddities Podcast. Copyright 2021, all rights reserved.
1: I'm dying. Okay, I'm so sorry. We have, stay focused, Katrina. <sighs> okay, I'm sweating. I'm sweating. I'm so excited.
0: Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast